So what was your inspiration for starting Personal Finance Club? Personal Finance Club? Well, so I sold Rentlinks in 2015 when I was 34 for just over $5 million. My share after taxes was $2 million. And then I kept working for the company that bought us for two more years. And at that point, my net worth was like $2.9 million or something just because of the increase in the market. And like I was basically saving my entire paycheck. Um, and then I quit my job. And then for a year, I did nothing. I played video games and traveled. I did nothing, at least in terms of like uh, work stuff. Um, and after like a year of playing video games and traveling, as cool as that was, it kind of like there's something missing. Like there's no tension in my life. It was just like, I was just like floating through life with no, you know, and I feel like a lot of people think like, oh, like once I hit it and I can just like go on vacation forever, like I'm going to be so happy. But like after a year of that, for me at least, it was like, yeah, there's something missing. It was like an existential crisis. And when you like meet someone at a dinner party and they're like, what do you do? And I'm like, nothing. I don't do anything. <laughs> they're like, I used to do something. Want to hear about what I did a year ago? They're like, not really. I'm like, yeah, I don't blame you. Um, and so I was like, I don't know. I like need something. And, and so then a friend asked me like, what do you, what do you want to be when you grow up? Like if you could do anything. And I was like, I would like to host a show on, you know, personal finance and like help people with money because that's just like what I, my passion was like, I would meet with my friends and like help them set up their Roth IRA and like learn about investing and pay off debt or whatever. Um, and we were just kind of like casually and friendly call it personal finance club as a, you know, kind of a funny joke. Cause it wasn't really a club. We were just friends like drinking beer and opening up fidelity accounts or whatever. Um, so then when in 2019, after a year of doing nothing, I, I was like, all right, I'm going to start personal finance club for real and, and bought the domain and, um, you know, started the Instagram account and yeah, that's what I do now. So what was your, I guess, introduction to like financial literacy? You know, it was a long, like fabric of my life. I was very fortunate to have parents who were good parents and financially, you know, responsible and set good examples for me as a child. Um, when I was 16 and I got my 16 or 17, I got my first job ever. My dad cleverly opened up a Roth IRA in my name and um, basically matched dollar per dollar everything I made because you can't contribute more to a Roth IRA than how much you actually earn. And so I think I made like $1,600 that summer. And so he put $1,600 of his own money inside of my Roth IRA. And then we like sat through and like clicked buy and some mutual funds. And he taught me how to like look at mutual funds, whatever. And um, and so I, I just like, that just became part of like the normal fabric of my life. And then in like my thirties, I would meet people and they'd be like, what's a mutual fund? What's a Roth IRA? What's a stock? And I was like, Whoa, like this wasn't like everyone's normal experience. Um, and that, and that education also kind of got like put on steroids when I sold my company for $5 million. And then suddenly I went from being like kind of a broke person to having millions of dollars in the bank. And I didn't want to be like one of those uh, garbage men who wins a lotto. And then like five years later, becomes a garbage man again because they spent all their money. Um, and so I like literally started reading books on personal finance and investing. I was like, you know, went to Amazon, bought all the books, just started reading through them. And like you read like two or three or four of these books. And suddenly like you realize they all say the exact same thing. Um, they say spend less than you make, invest the difference, buy and hold, buy index funds, buy for the long term. Um, and it's like a message that is very clear when you read these books, but it's not very clear in pop culture uh, because, and, you know, to 
a normal person's credit, not normal, but just to someone who's not nerdy like me, to a cool person's credit, I guess, um, you know, they don't want to spend their days reading investing books. So they're just doing other things with their time. Um, and so, yeah, I wanted to like bring that common sense financial knowledge to like a different audience. Was, was there a specific book or author that really resonated with you when you were doing that? There's a lot of them. Um, I mean, the one that, you know, is, is obvious if you watch what I talk about is Jack Bogle, who's the founder of Vanguard, who's the, you know, guy who like introduced or popularized the index fund. Um, he like writes extensively on, you know, when you read one of his books, like there's a book called the little book of common sense investing, I think yeah. is what it's called. And like, I think there's like 20 or 30 chapters and every chapter should be like, why index funds are better than active management or something like that because like it's just like chapter after chapter of chapter of like just these like devastating arguments in, in favor of index funds um and you know to his credit like he was part of the financial services industry but basically set up this business because it's much much cheaper for the end investor and so this financial services industry which makes like four trillion dollars a year or something oh my god there's someone behind me that really freaked me <laughs> out because i thought it was a mirror for a second wow do you see this person, Greg? Are we going to ignore there's a person looking at you behind you? We can't just keep going with this podcast. And p plus, people like when like weird non sequiturs happen like this. Yeah, that's my brother. He's still looking. He's, he's scared me there, Jeremy, because I, I had my door open. I was like, hold up. There's someone behind me. I was like, oh, no. I was like, this is like my worst nightmare here. I know. I really had this like panicky moment where like there's like it looked like a mirror you know <laughs> not that greg and i look all that much alike being that he's black and i'm white but i don't know just like and the something. major height difference <laughs> <laughs> I, I, well only because your camera is pointed so high I can, I can make it look like that too I mean, there you go. this is this is not going to translate well to audio i hope you got the video of this but for listeners i just put the camera so like just my chin was sitting on the bottom and made me look very there short. we go um yeah. Well, we're talking about people. Yeah, now we all have our heads in the bottom. But um, before I got freaked out because I thought someone was behind me, uh, what was I talking about? Jack Bogle and how it's affordable. Jack Bogle, right? And so he talks about next ones. And so yeah, that's that's the guy that I would say is my ear. But you know, I love like Millionaire Next Door or uh, The Simple Path to Wealth or um, I don't know. I have a whole book of a whole list of books on my. Uh, I really like the Psychology of Money. It's like a newer one by Morgan Housel. Um, do you do tons of tons of great interesting books? Do you do audibles or do you like paperback books? Kindle is my primary consumption method. Uh, being a tech guy, I love the like paper white display. I love that you can have a thousand books in like you know <laughs> the size of a little notepad. Um, I like Audible. Every time I do Audible, I'm really happy with it, and I think i retain the knowledge equally well in fact sometimes i forget um if i'm if i had listened to or read a book um but uh i don't know i just i don't drive much and i like listen to audible like is really part of my like i don't know if i'm like in the house i'm like usually watching something as opposed to just listening so yeah okay what do you guys do you guys are podcasters so you have to represent audible yeah, I actually do audibles all the time. That's like my primary mode of listening is just audibles. Yeah, yeah, I tend to no, fall that's asleep. That's awesome. I mean, honestly, I should do it more. You fall asleep reading, Greg? Yep, all the time. And yeah, I, I prefer I, to just listen. 
Yeah, yeah I can't that's just like better than falling asleep on TikTok. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I don't, I don't blame you. Like in high school, like I hated, like I'm still not a very voracious reader, much to my embarrassment. Like I wish I would, you know, super successful people. I think they often read tons. And like, maybe my success is exactly where it should be based on how much I read, which is probably more than some people and a lot less than a lot of others. Um, but yeah, but I mean, I should maybe just be doing more audible just to, uh, force it down here. I mean, you know, you gotta do what you like, right? Like that's, that's the individuality about the journey is, you know, finding what works for you and what doesn't, and then going with it. If I did what I liked, I'd just be on TikTok for 20 hours a day instead of 16 <laughs> hours a day like I currently am. <laughs> well, why not increase those numbers? Just, yeah, it's research. I'm going to die of exhaustion <laughs> if I watch any more TikTok. Do you create a lot of TikTok reels for, for personal finance club? Not as many as I should. Um, you know, my Instagram engagement is kind of dropping lately, I think, for several reasons. One is that uh, there's just more financial accounts in the space. So there's like shared audience. Two is I think people are less excited about investing in finance right now because of like the bad macroeconomic landscape, inflation, market down, pending recession, whatever. And three, I think Instagram's overall engagement might be suffering. Like just my sense of the world, like my mother, who is the age of a mother, if you're 41, um, <laughs> says she spends way more time on TikTok than Instagram. I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to get on TikTok. And so, yeah, we, you know, we have 110,000 followers on TikTok, but TikTok followers are useless. Like, you know, every single video stands on its own. So it's like cool and not cool. It's cool because like you can have never done TikTok before and like on day one compete head to head with like Charlie D'Amelio or whatever. Um, but the bad part is like, if you are Charlie D'Amelio and your next video sucks, I mean, maybe she's a bad example because she's like, people just like, just, just look at her videos or, but like, if you're me and your next video sucks, it gets no views. And so like every single video has to be, you know, viral basically. Yeah. And then you're kind of just competing for, you know, always putting out the, the most viral content and it, it can be hard to compete in that space. I agree. Um, you know, it takes a lot of work, takes a lot of dedication, takes a lot of cleverness, you know, and, and like, you know, some of the viral TikToks are really, really simple. Like someone sitting in their car doing a rant or something, but like, I tend to think like the, just the high production value, high effort ones are the ones that do better. More often people just want to, you know, it's like, why is Mr. Beast so successful? Why is Mr. Beast so successful? Cause like, he puts a ton of work into every video, like crazy and crazier. So um, I think that's kind of what you got to do for TikTok now. Yeah, absolutely. So, did you have any setbacks during your journey that kind of thought you might not recover from them? I thought I might not recover from. I mean, you know, there was tons of dead ends and stuff, like businesses that didn't work or ideas that didn't work or changing paths. Um, I don't know. I should have a better answer for that. Like I definitely like bought some stocks that went to zero and, um, but I don't think I ever was, you know, and I, I guess like constantly to this day, I have days where I'm like, I'm wasting my life. This is never going to work. Like even, you know, I think to someone, I, I remember having like 300 Instagram followers 
and seeing someone with 50,000 Instagram followers and thinking they're made, they're rich, they do this whole time, they're <laughs> set for life, whatever. And then like I talked that like, as I grew, I started talking and I'm thinking of one specific person and she's like, I don't make any money. She's like, this is, this is just like, this is just work and nothing else. And I was like, oh, that's a bummer. I just assumed everyone with like five plus digits of followers was rich. Um, and so now with like 400,000 followers or whatever I have, like, um, you know, there are days where I'm like, this is dumb, you know, revenue's slowing. I'm wasting my life. I'm never going to be successful or whatever. Um, and I think that entrepreneurship and probably life in general has that kind of like emotional roller coaster ride to it where one day things go well, you know, you talk to a girl, you get a phone number, you make a sale, get a promotion, whatever. And you're like, Oh my God, like going to the moon. It's going to be great. And then like a week later, she doesn't talk, text back. Your boss yells at you. Don't make a sale, whatever. And then you're like, Oh dude, this is turning bad. I'm like a failure. This, and, and so like, it's easy to take those like short term trends and just project them out to like great success or utter failure. But it's a rocky road and can feel like a roller coaster. But yeah, that was a long way of not answering your question. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's... I love the analogies. Um, really good telling analogies, and eight out of ten of them don't make any sense. But every once in a while, I get lucky. <laughs> um, so, was there a specific reason you got on the five path? I know you said like you know your dad opened a Roth IRA for you, and you would just for fun open Fidelity accounts to help your friends get on that path. But like, was there a reason you specifically got on the path? Would you relate it to like your parents or something happened in your life? I think I discovered about the concept of Phi like after I had done it. Um, you know, I think it's like, a, you know, I think I'm a lot older than you guys. I still feel young, but compared to you guys, I'm old. But I remember like there's, there's an article, you know, my memory is fading, but there's an article when I was 19 talking about how I was going to retire at 25. And so like, was that Phi? Uh, I think that's just like the arrogant, like brashness of a college kid who doesn't, you know, who's heard of the dot-com boom and doesn't know like how real life works. Um, but I definitely like, you know, I guess I looked at it as more, more from a tech perspective where I'm like, there are tech companies that are blowing up and you can hit it big and like not have to work. And that was attractive to me. Um, and then when I finally did sell my company, not at 25, but at 34, and then worked for two more years and at the age of 36 started like doing more research on this. And I was like, Oh, wait a minute. I think maybe then I was like familiar with the 4% rule and, you know, more, some more of the concepts, you know, honestly, like when I even started personal finance club, I wasn't really like, I, I was listening to Katie millennial money, honey on your show from two episodes ago. And she was saying how she has a typical story of uh, like finding the Mr. Money mustache blog. Like that's not my story. Like I like, didn't, I mean, I know I actually have met him now. He commented on my post yesterday. It was very flattering. Um, but like, I was hung out with him at a conference and like super, super smart guy. I feel like, like, I like hope that it's not too arrogant of me to say, like, I think we have a lot in common, but like, I kind of, I kind of come came across him after I started doing my own thing, just cause that's what I like doing. Um, so yeah, I just, I just kind of was more about like getting enough money to retire and not, I didn't really like, didn't really have the same path set forth by like the Phi community that a lot of people other people are on okay yeah and yeah you know like you said that's not a very common way about about how you found it which is it's always awesome right because hearing how people find Phi is just it, it's so unique 
and it's very different for everyone. Yeah, I remember like I read Susie Orman's book like in college or something, and then I like listened to Dave Ramsey's podcast for a while, and then I was like, you know what? There's like these two old people who both kind of maybe speak to specific demographics, not to say which demographics to which people, but I was like, there maybe needs to be a new voice <laughs> in this like space that can like, and so I was like, I'm going to start a new brand called personal finance club. And then like six months into doing it, I like realized there was like a conference called FinCon full of thousands of people who all have financial, like including you guys that have podcasts and including, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I'm like the third one. I'm a 3000th one. There's just two big ones, um, you know, and there's maybe some like, you know, there's like, there's also like other big ones like Mr. Money Mustache or whatever. Um, so yeah, that's how I found it. Like the sad way by realizing that I wasn't all that special. It's a, it's a nice, we'll have to, I'll have to go to FinCon just so that I can be humbled again back into my spot. <laughs> we're, we're just a beginning. You podcast. should. FinCon's really great. <laughs> It's like full of really good people. And like, I don't know, like, I'm normally not a fan of conferences too much. It just seems like people, you know, wasting their company's money and getting drunk and not actually being productive. But like FinCon seems it's like full of smart people, nice people, altruistic people, all doing it for the right reasons. It's kind of funny who doesn't show up. Like you don't see a lot of insurance salesmen, if any. It's like the people who are there, like all know their stuff. And so the insurance salesmen like know to stay clear. <laughs> Uh, no offense to, I mean, maybe offense to insurance salesmen. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, at least they're not going to try to sell us annuities. <laughs> That's true. It's like a, it's a safe space from uh, IULs for a while. Yeah. Um, are you currently working on any new companies? Company? Well, I'm working on a personal finance club. It's like my full time job. I have two uh, full time. I have two full time employees. Uh, Vivi and Shane, we introduced a 401k through Vanguard. Um, and so now I have like mouths to feed. So we gotta like, we gotta grow this business. Um, and other than that, um, how many do I currently like? There's that one. There's what's that charge will still exist. I still own part of nickel. Um, I think that's it. So yeah, that's enough though. I need less, not <laughs> more. Um, on the more personal side, you know, uh, besides beach volleyball, do you have any other, you know, sports that you, enjoy doing or anything that you enjoy doing overall? Well, not golf. I already <laughs> knocked that sport. Um, in college, I ran track. I went to, uh, I had a track scholarship at the University of Michigan. I actually broke a school record at Michigan, which stood for 21 years until January of this year. Some little punk who is an extremely nice guy and I emailed him and he was very nice and is much faster than I ever was, um, crushed my record, but that's pretty good that it stood for so long. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I like hiking and traveling and I have stand up paddle boards. I cruise around the bay on my paddle boards and, uh, I don't know. What else do I like doing? I like playing games. I have a whole like shelf of games over here. Maybe you can see them if it gets a little clear. There's a lot, there's a lot of games, a lot of games, a lot of books. Yeah, games and books, although most of the books are my people now. Um, again, another section that for people who are watching this or listening to this, not watching it, will not be interesting. Sorry about that. So, there's a shelf of games and books. So, you also said you took that, I think, a year off and you traveled. Um, is that true? That is okay. true. Uh, what would you say your favorite place to travel was? 
favorite place. It's so hard because like, you know, traveling is not really that much fun just because like you happen to be somewhere else on earth. That's like fun because of like the experience and like the experience is like so heavily informed by like what you come across and what you happen to do. And like, and traveling, you get like this, like, you have to be out of your comfort zone and be mixed up because you're different places. Whereas like when you're in your house, you just go to the same grocery store and come back, come back to the same place. And so I don't know. Croatia, Australia, uh, Colombia. Um, I don't know. They're all really nice places. Okay. I only speak English except for some like really bad Spanish. So, <laughs> well, I mean, I guess Croatia isn't, but I mean, some English is like the cheat code for the US though. Cause like, you know, it's like, if anyone's going to speak a second language, it's going to be English. And so it's like, if you're a German traveling in Portugal, you're just going to speak English the whole time because like, they're not going to speak German. You're not going to speak Portuguese most likely. And so if you're American, you just be like, Hey guys, speak my language. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair. Did you, uh, did you utilize any travel hacking methods while you were doing that? What is travel hacking? Like the credit yeah, card yeah, like thing using, or using credit card points, stuff like that. Nah, I'm not really into that. Like, uh, I mean, the credit card industry makes billions of dollars a year and like, you know, for a consumer to like out clever them is, is, you know, maybe perfectly possible, but you know, on average, they're going to win by a lot. And, uh, I just would, instead of trying to jump through hoops and play games with credit cards, I just much rather like spend as little as I can, you know, just like find the deals. And so I have like one, I have two credit cards, my oldest credit card, which I, never cancel and have some recurring costs on than my main credit card, which just has straight across the board, 2% of cash back direct deposit in my account. And then I don't worry about credit card points. I just spend less money. Okay. Is it the fidelity card? It is the fidelity. Card. <laughs> it's because it's Greg is from I'm a fidelity stand. Greg is from Detroit. So you guys have that connection. He knows. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> is that a Detroit based company? No, they're based in Ohio, aren't they? No, no, but Greg is Stupid based Ohio. in Detroit. So, so like, you know. You're... Yeah, but how, what's that to do with Fidelity? Oh, no, no. He, he just knew, <laughs> right? Like, because you both went to, like, University of Michigan, or, like, you both spent time in Michigan. It was just a joke. Just a really bad joke. <laughs> Born and raised 29 years in Michigan, saying we got the Michigan kinetic or a psych psychic connection. Absolutely. We should be Euchre partners next conference. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm really good at you, Kerr. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite dish? Dish? Yes, yeah, something to eat. Food? Oh, yeah. um, my first favorite food is sushi. My second favorite food is uh, sandwiches. And my third favorite food is leftovers. So I would love a leftover sushi sandwich. Okay. If I ever can get my hands on one. <laughs> All right. Actually, that's probably gross, but... Yeah, I don't know. I love sushi. I'm, I'm a California kid. I don't know, tacos. I'm not a California kid, but California adult. I'm a Michigan kid. Do you do you ever travel back to Michigan, or do you usually spend most of your time in California? I mean, mostly here. My brother's family still lives in Michigan, and actually, they're currently in San Diego visiting. And so, I'm doing this podcast while they're out being a tourist or something. Um, he has got three kids, but yeah, I try to get back there like once or twice a year. Depends. It's been less during the pandemic. Um, yeah, still have like friends there. Love Michigan. Yeah, I I would. Uh, if it weren't for winters and its lack of ocean 
adjacency. I could spend my whole life in Michigan for sure. I mean, we have Great Lakes. No, that's legit. That's true. <laughs> you can you can surf Lake Lake Michigan. That's chilly. I know. <laughs> Unsalted. Isn't there a documentary about that? I don't know about documentary, but I just know that fact. <laughs> I mean, I don't even surf. I just like beach volleyball. But, but you're right. There's plenty of beach volleyball in Michigan. But the problem is only like three or four months a year because then it just gets too cold. Yeah. Oh, they do have indoor beach volleyball locations now. Oh. So you could play all That's year true. round. Yeah. You should consider moving or back. and just walk to the beach from where <laughs> I live and play all year round. He's trying to get you to move back. He's, he's like, um, I actually work for the state of Michigan. We're just trying to get you to move back there. Yeah. <laughs> Pure Michigan. Yeah. You'll get a, get a commission if you get me to move back. <laughs> Are there any events that people can catch you at? this year or next year, like economy or FinCon or everything. Those are the two that I basically plan to go to every year. Um, economy spelled with a E, well, I guess spelled with two E's um, and FinCon. Um, I don't have any other plans to be places at the moment, but yeah, if you come to those, you can meet me in person and you can see that I'm quite tall and hmm. probably you might say I'm pretty nice, or you might think I'm a jerk. I don't know. <laughs> That'll be up to you to decide. Perfect. Well, Jeremy, it's been a pleasure. Um, we will make sure uh, to let people know how they can find you and Personal Finance Club. Um, it's Great. Yeah, Instagram, TikTok. Uh, is there any platform that you're not on that people can find you? You will not find me on MySpace. You will not find me on Friendster. <laughs> You will not find me on Pinterest, although I've heard that Pinterest can actually be quite good. So we might add this Pinterest. Don't quote me on that one. You will not find me on um, Match.com. Uh, you will not find me on what other platforms? AOL. Farmers only, because I'm not a farmer. So <laughs> they, I applied. They wouldn't let me. <laughs> um, any of those anti-Semitic sites will not be on them. Um, just just like the big social media ones. Instagrams where most of the magic happens. Okay, perfect. Well, we will put all the links to your description below, but it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Thank you, Austin and Greg. It has been uh, entirely my honor. Thanks for having me. Of course. And hopefully we get to do this again soon. Great. Perfect. Well, see you guys later. This has been an episode of Life, Love, and Pursuit of FI with your host, Austin Colt. And Greg Gaskin. And Jeremy from Personal Finance Club. We hope you have a good rest of your day.